The world is tough on teens, especially if they're neurodiverse. On a daily basis, they are influenced by powerful forces of cultural indoctrination. So our most vulnerable kids need insightful support from the people who love them most. Today's guest, Ginny Coaches, is here to help us learn about neurodivergent teens and their fragile faith. Stay with us. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host. And today's topic is neurodivergent teens and their fragile faith. And I'm so happy to have Ginny Coaches back on the show. Ginny Coaches writes books for the unique and unrepeatable for teens and adults who don't quite fit the mold. She tells stories about love, friendship, faith, and family starring differently wired characters. Since 2016, Ginny has supported Christian families raising differently wired children through her online community, Not So Formulaic. She lives in Northern Virginia with her husband and three children and is happiest on the shores of the Neuse River with a good book in her hand. You can find Ginny at notsoformulaic.com. And Ginny, so good to see you again. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me as always. I always enjoy chatting with you. Um, So yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, sure. First, let's just define terms in case anybody's scratching their heads a little bit. What do we mean by okay. neurodivergent? <laughs> sure. Yeah, um, it's a big word. <laughs> so, um, you, you know, technically, um, the clinical definition of neurodivergent is anyone whose brain functions differently from like the norm. Okay. So we have you know the standard or typical brain, um, and then you have you know the deviations from that. So, like you know, granted, the standard typical brain does have its own differences. Um, You know, individual people have likes and dislikes, they have interests, um, they have different talents and abilities. And then we have the neurodivergent brain. So this is the brain that differs um, in neurological or mental functioning from that standard. Okay, so this can be um, the result of a learning difference like ADHD, dyslexia, um, auditory processing disorders, you know, anything like that. Or it can be a developmental disorder um, like an autism spectrum disorder, having OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, being bipolar, um, you know, dealing with oppositional defiant disorder. And, you know, it can be the result of something like... um, having chronic depression, anxiety, um, and then even surprisingly, even giftedness. Um, you know, giftedness is a neurodivergent um, difference, a, a social, emotional, and learning difference. Um, so it's just that, you know, a neurodivergent brain is divergent. It doesn't mean that it's bad or non-functional. Um, and in fact, you know, there's so many neurodivergent individuals who excel in areas that um, neurotypical people perhaps don't. Um, but at the same time, you know, with kids and teens especially, you'll find that a neurodivergent brain is going to need to be shown how to do some of the things that we think would just come naturally, um, specifically like, you know, with organization. And, um, you know, that's a huge one in our house. 
<laughs> like, and it's, it's a common struggle for neurodivergent brains. You know, there's always that stereotypical, like, are you, you know, you see the picture of like Einstein at his desk and his hair is all over the place and there's like stuff <laughs> all over the desk, you know, or even Maximilian Colby, there's I have my favorite photo of him. He's sitting at his desk. He's got a statue of Mary on the hutch in front of him. And then there's just paper seas of paper everywhere. And I'm like, these are my people, you know, <laughs> this is what my life looks like. So anyway, um, so that's what neurodivergent it is. So yeah, thank you so much for that. Because I love that there's a tremendous variety and spectrum, like either where our Lord mm -hmm. allows for, a, you know, a, a whole other kind of a brain, a brain that does a lot that's the same, but a lot mm -hmm. that's different and has different needs, right? But there's incredible variety yeah. within even that category. I love it. So sure, say a little yeah. bit also just in case, you know, I'll, I'll have other episodes of yours in the show notes, Jenny, but in case others haven't mm -hmm. met you yet, why are new neurodivergent teams so much a part of your life and your mission? So I am neurodivergent myself, which I didn't know until I had kids. Um, so I, I have three twice exceptional children, which means they're intellectually gifted and in some way developmentally delayed. So I have one, uh, my oldest is autistic. Um, she was diagnosed originally with Asperger's, um, but they no longer use that designation. So it's high functioning autistic now. Um, and I have two with um, anxiety, OCD and ADHD. So, and then I myself have depression, anxiety, ADHD, and a touch of OCD. And my husband is what I like to call neurospicy also. <laughs> He's got some <laughs> stuff. Um, so we're all really creative people, um, you know, and we all kind of live in the same house. So finding a way to, to function and, and not lose everything and just live in a harmonious household um, became really important to me about seven or eight years ago. Um, and that's when my, my initial ministry, uh, Not So Formulaic, was born. So... Wow, that is so cool. And uh, we're going to get to it because we're going to do a separate episode on it. But I'm reading uh, your novel about a neurodivergent teen, uh, Blink, and we'll miss it. Did I say that correctly? Yes, and it's it. just so insightful, beautiful, touching. Oh, and I'll, I'll, we'll it. wax poetic about it when we really talk <laughs> deeply on it. But just want to well, say that, you. you know, obviously, a, a gifted, creative person just writing a really compassionate and really intriguing story. So, so it's your life. It's what you live. It's the people that you love. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you've helped yeah. so many, Ginny, and, and you've done so many great shows for us. So tell us about these kids and why they're so particularly vulnerable to learning, to losing their faith. So just so you don't think there's any like behind the scenes movie magic going on. <laughs> I took out my headset because it was causing um, many, many heartaches over here on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, it was interfering. Just, yes, I now no longer have on my Mickey Mouse ears, so apologies. Um, now you just get me. Um, so anyway, there you go. <laughs> um, what makes these kids vulnerable to losing their faith? Well, there's, um, you know, I, there's a number of factors, um, and I think neurodivergent individuals are all different. Um, so these aren't, aren't going to be the same for everybody, but you know, I think there are some characteristics and trends that we can see across the board. So, um, you know, first and foremost neurodivergent individuals tend to have very low tolerance for hypocrisy um, because, you know, for someone who struggles with impulsivity issues or, um, you know, executive function or, you know, is clearly different uh, in some way from the norm, you know, they are used to people or they can become used to people saying they will do something or, you know, um, treating them a certain way and then finding out, you know, behind their backs that, you know, obviously, or th 
you know, things didn't occur the way they said they were going to occur, or, you know, perhaps they weren't being genuine. Um, and I think when you translate that into um, matters of faith, you know, you have lots of people um, kind of just from a, from, a, from an objective, sorry, standpoint, you have lots of people telling you how to behave and how to live. And maybe you can see that they're not maybe behaving or living that way themselves. Um, or, you know, feeling like they don't understand you as a person. So how dare they say, you know, that you should do X, Y, Z. Neurodivergent individuals also, um, while they do have a tendency to have lots of abstract thoughts, especially those who are gifted thinkers, they do really like the concrete. They want to have um, irrefutable facts or, you know, concrete evidence of something existing. Um, and, when, you know, when it comes to faith, there is, you know, there are some things that you have to simply take on faith. Um, we do have evidence of Eucharistic miracles and those kinds of things, um, which I think are really super important for kids to learn about. But, you know, being able to understand that, you know, the idea of the Trinity, God in three persons. Um, and yes, you can trace it all back to um, you know, scripture and um, tradition and all of that, but it makes it, um, you know, just at face value, the kids tend to want to have some kind of proof of that. Um, I think there's also a desire to kind of eschew conformity. You know, I'm already different. So why should I try to fit in here? There's no point. Um, you know, and then I think one of the things that really surprised me is specifically when you're talking about gifted populations, um, you know, these are the kids who need the answers. You know, they want to know the why and the how. And it has to be not just because, you know, mom or dad said so or because Father Brown said so. It has to be because they've searched it out and they found it to be true um, mm -hmm. because, you know, they don't want to take anything, you know, as I said previously, on face value. So, wow, that is so interesting to me because one of the mm -hmm. things I have heard, and I'm not at all expert about kids who are on the spectrum is that they tend to be more literal. And so that there can be there can be misunderstandings even of just reading the other person. I know your daughter's very high functioning. It was your it's your daughter, right? Um yes. and probably a lot more, you know, able to pick up on social cues and and perhaps subtleties as well. But but yeah. I but you can see just in that one example how communication and relationships would would be challenged. And so when you're trying yeah. to build a relationship with God, and as you said, they don't feel like they fit in anyway. So it, it almost feels like, why should they fit in anywhere? That, that was really kind of a, I don't right. know, a very poignant point that you made there that, that well, I don't yeah. belong. That well, and I think, I think for my daughter, um, you know, she's worked really hard to be able to notice social cues and things like that. I mean, it's, she once said to me a couple of years ago that she prefers computers to people because computers are logical. You know, you put the information in, you get a result, like you can anticipate what they're going to do. Um, but I think, you know, as she's gotten older, she's learned more about body language. She's worked really hard to study it almost like it's a subject. Mm -hmm. um, but she has said to me, you know, she, she really loves reading like the catechism and, you know, UCAT and even um, some of the, you know, the the theologians um, reading their work. But when it comes to, you know, feeling God's presence, she frequently talks about how she doesn't feel that. Like she doesn't um, get that sort of sense of peace or like um, emotional response that mm -hmm. some people get. And I think sometimes she wonders, like, does that mean 
that I am not close to God. So we've had lots of conversations about that. And that's that can be another reason why these kids walk away is because they don't have that emotional connection. Um, or, you know, and this is something I forgot to mention, like just being in church can be hard. It can be painful. You know, if the lights are too bright, if it's too noisy, if there's too many people, my 12 year old with OCD, she has to send off, sit on the end of the pew because otherwise, if there's no space beside her, she gets like, she, she'll have a panic attack because it's too mm-hmm. close quarters. Yeah. Um, so things like that. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, yeah. So why don't we look also at another big cultural thing that kind of weighs in on them? Because I feel like there's, there's this whole subject that I love to talk about every chance I get about how there's a lot of cultural indoctrination going on in gender and identity and things like that. And our kids do want to belong, right? And there's a lot right. of kids out there who are falling prey to, oh, I must be one of these alphabet soup identities because now right. it kind of, it identifies why I'm different and how I'm special and those kind of things It can be, it can be so heartbreaking to watch, but but I do think right. that that they're they're also being leveraged in that place of their own compassion for others, which I think is holy ground. And I'm seeing the fruits of God speaking wisdom into that place of compassion sure. as well. So it's a really interesting place that we're in. But how particularly, if it's affecting everybody else so profoundly, how is it particularly an area of vulnerability for for our twice exceptional or our uh, neurodivergent. Yeah, or neurodivergent. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a there's a real false sense of tolerance that kind of floats around um, that arena. The idea that you know, hey, if you come join us, you can be truly whatever you want or think whatever you want, and not only is no one going to tell you you shouldn't do that, you'll have you know people who love you for that you know, and, and want to be like you and want to do those same things. Um, you know, and for these kids who, you know, are most of the time a marginalized population, like that desire to belong is so, so deep. I mean, everybody wants to belong, but you know, it's like St. Augustine says, you know, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. But like when you're, there's so many hurdles between, you know, you and God, and it looks so much easier for everybody else, you know, and, um, you know, you, you begin to say, well, maybe, maybe there's a deep seated reason, you know, maybe it's, it's a part of my core. Maybe it's not just, you know, the fact that I am neurodivergent. And in some cases, maybe these kids might not even know that they're neurodivergent. They just know that they're different. And so, you know, they get sucked into um, the idea that identifying this way um, is the answer. And so, and I think also, you know, for girls, especially um, neurodivergent girls, often see that they aren't as like interested maybe in the stereotypical girly things, at least for my oldest. Um, and again, you know, I, this isn't necessarily true for my 12 year old who is just about the girliest girly girl you could ever see. Um, but you know, my oldest growing up totally into dinosaurs, she loved science. She was not a fan of ruffles or bows or pink. Um, she was terrified, absolutely terrified of dolls could not stand them, which was you know hard because when her sister, who's like three years younger than she is, was all about baby dolls, you know, and they were sharing a room. My oldest was like headed for the hills. Like I'm out. I can't, I can't be in this room with those things. Wow. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. And she, you know, she preferred to play with her dinosaurs. Um, you know, and she didn't like makeup or dresses because it was all super uncomfortable. Um, and a couple of years ago, maybe two years ago, we were on a walk. Um, and she said to me, you know, mom, I think 
you know, remember when I was so anti anything that was girly? And I was like, yeah. And she said, well, I, I think I was having some internalized misogyny. I think I was like hating those parts of me because I couldn't figure out how to be like the other girls because I wasn't like the other girls, you know, and now that she's older um, and I think she's seen, she's fortunately been blessed with a, you know, a good group of friends, um, guys and girls, you know, who kind of share her interests. And so she doesn't feel quite as marginalized anymore, um, you know, but for a while it was hard. So, you know, I think there's that, there's that question of, you know, gosh, if I'm not like girls, does that mean maybe I'm not actually a girl, you know? And then if they don't have kind of a sounding board or someone to talk to, you know, and really just listen and say, you know, Hey, this is what I'm feeling. What is going on? And then, you know, have the kind of well-formed guidance that they need, um, you know, then they're, they're going to find themselves more likely to be embroiled in that kind of um, environment. So yeah, real, this is also good. And I remember this is not on the exact same topic, but about just kind of teens and the desire to belong and all that, the difficulty of just being an adolescent. Yeah. On top, you know, underneath all of the other neurodivergent stuff, I remember when my daughter was about 13, um, speaking to a youth minister at an event. And I said, she said she's afraid if anyone saw who she really was, that they wouldn't like what they saw. And he yes. looked at me and said, they all feel that way. That's exactly right. how they all feel at that age. Yeah. Like that there's just mm -hmm. something wrong with them, that they're not good enough, that, they're, that they have something to be ashamed of because they're quirky right. or they have funny thoughts or whatever, and then add all this other layers. So it's a painful time of life anyway. Thanks yes. be to God that your daughter has been able to find good friendships and that she has a mom who understands her wiring. Praise God. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to take a really quick sponsor break. We are talking with the wonderful Ginny Coaches, and we're talking about neurodivergent teens and their fragile faith. When we get back, we're going to talk about parents and concerned loved ones, what you can do to support your kids. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Walter Crawford. And I'm Maureen Whitman. We are the co-founders of homeschoolconnections.com and proud sponsors of the Homeschooling Saints podcast. Which is here to help you homeschool more joyfully, more easily, and more effectively. We want to thank you for listening. And we invite you to check out our courses at homeschoolconnections.com. And now back to our program. All right, we're back with Ginny Coaches, and we're talking about neurodivergent teens and their fragile faith. So, Jenny, what are some ways that the people who love these wonderful kids can support them? Sure. Um, I think it's really important to um, search out the answers to the questions that they have. You know, let them know that they can talk to you at any point in time without judgment, without any sort of judgment. Um, you know, that it's that you are a safe space, that you're going to guide them, obviously, in charity you know, um, but I think they, it's really important, um, just to teens in general, um, that they feel heard that, you know, that their thoughts and the feelings that they're, they're having at the moment, you know, say, yes, I, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I know that's hard, you know, and being able to reflect back and say, you know, like, like flipping. So they tell you something and then you say, this is what I hear you saying. Is that right? Mm. You know, so, so they're really getting that like, wow, she's really listening to me. Okay. Um, I think, you know, living out our faith, 
um, and being honest about not being perfect at it, um, you know, that that's huge. So, you know, the virtue of practicing the virtue of humility, the idea that, you know, or even perseverance that we, that we keep going, you know, we get up and we try again. So like, um, there was an instance a couple of weeks ago where I, I made a really big mistake. You know, it was something that was weighing heavily on my heart and I needed to go to confession for it. So I didn't share with my kids like what I had done, but I, you know, I said Saturday morning at eight o'clock, I was like, Hey, I'm going to confession. Does anybody need to go with me? And they were like, or does anybody want to go with me? And they were like, why are you going? And I said, well, I messed up. I did something and I need to go and I need to get right with God, you know, and it's important for them to see that, you know, um, that I'm, that I'm not a hypocrite. I mean, you know, I guess I hope I'm not a hypocrite, you know, <laughs> um, but that I, you know, that I, not only am I like talking the talk, I'm trying my hardest to walk the walk, um, in my imperfect way. Um, you know, praying as a family, I think it's hugely important. And even if they are just sitting there and not participating, um, you know, just having them in the room, I think is huge. Um, but then also just being involved in the things that they are interested in, you know, taking part in what they like, you know, my daughter is, um, really into like my 12 year old, she loves star Wars. She is just so into the mythology, the stories, um, and the new, um, one of the new, like shoot off or episodes has recently come out. So we've been watching it with her, you know, letting her talk to us about the characters and everything that she's learned because she knows so much about the universe, the Star Wars universe. It's kind of amazing. Um, But showing her that, you know, we're interested in what she does. Um, And in the little, you know, the little ADHD hyper-focused things um, that she takes part in. My eight-year-old is obsessed with exceedingly large numbers, like like really (laughs) large numbers. And, And so I... It's mind numbing. I mean, I, I'm not a math, but I, I will sit there and I will listen to him talk about all these different powers and, you know, 10 to the whatever null. And I don't even know what he's talking about, but I just nod. And I say, wow, this is really neat. Can you tell me more? And, you know, like I try to be as genuine as I possibly can, because I want him to know that he can talk to me about the little things, you know, and that when it comes time to talk to me about the big things, he can do that too. Um, and I, I think um, also one thing that's been a huge game changer for my family is the, you know, appropriate use of medication and therapy um, in our house. So um, I am on medication, which I've been on probably for about seven years now. Um, And then my 12 year old is also on medication and it's made such a big difference Mm. just because it cuts the static, you know, it, it kind of cuts off the parts of the brain that are constantly, um, trying to, you know, overcompensate or, you know, giving you that, that anxious feeling, it doesn't get rid of it entirely, but it helps you, it clears the fog, you know, because it it gives the, the missing, you know, brain chemicals, you know, whatever it is that your brain's not producing on its own. It's kind of like, I look at it like insulin, um, you know, diabetics take insulin because their bodies don't make it naturally. Well, you know, those of us with, you know, chemical disorders in our brain, we take those chemicals because our brains don't typically make those chemicals on their own. Um, So that's been huge. And, you know, finding, we found, um, I found a Catholic therapist. I was able to find um, some really solid Christian therapists through the same practice. Um, So being able to find people who share, you know, our our faith and our values um, was really helpful as well. Um, So, yeah, those are the things that I think are are of the utmost importance. And also, you know, being open to, you know, here, here's the catechism. Let's go and look and see what the catechism says about why we believe this specific thing. 
um, you know, or even the friendly defenders flashcards. Like, you know, if people say like, you know, well, Catholics believe X, Y, Z, and you're like, no, actually we don't, you know, or here's what we really believe. Um, giving them sort of the, the truth of it that they can come to on their own. So. Yeah. So, so if, if we had to sum up the, the strategy, it sounds mm-hmm. like honoring, being present, being yes. able to find answers, um, really being willing to work at keeping the, those lines of communication open. I, I have this just this image of a bridge, that if the bridge yes. is always there to talk about numbers or Star Trek, then it's going to be open when something more serious needs to be talked about. And so exactly. you're creating yes. that place of back and forth and, and yes. communion. And you did an excellent job of condensing all of my neurodivergent thoughts. <laughs> no, I see. I loved what, what you just did because what you did, I'm a strengths coach. So I look at, yeah. there are a lot of people that are very high in the strategic thinking themes and highly creative who <laughs> see their minds like it, like I see them as having 4D chessboard minds because right. they're making connections on many levels. And actually you are extremely eloquent and you did that with extreme clarity. Oh. You kept Wait, it very okay, simple for us, and, <laughs> and you connected the dots on a lot of layers that we can all relate to. It was beautifully oh, done. God. But I just wanted to sort of just say in a simple oh. sense that this yeah. all, come because each person is going to find their own way. They have really different kids yes. and different issues and all of that and the circumstances Absolutely. of their lives. But because you made it specific, I had an acting teacher when I was in New York City, a struggling artist a long, long time ago, who said that <laughs> universality springs from specificity. So, and that's so true. Like people re- relate to you, not when you generalize and, and speak and, right. you know, it, theoretically, when you talk about your own life, then they can take something. Then they've got pictures yes. in their minds and they've got truths. So, so yeah, Absolutely. so thanks for that. I love, 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 love sure. listening to you. Um, so what are some positive outcomes and hopeful signs that you're seeing for your kids, for other people's kids? Because I know you have contact with a lot of other parents that sure. are going through a lot of what you're going through. What do you see that's helpful? I think in the last 10 years, um, the church is so much more aware of kids like these now, or I hate to say, I hate to say kids like these, the church is so much more aware of neurodivergent brains and the way they work. Um, I think it's a better way of putting it. So, you know, there's, there's programs popping up, um, you know, for neurodivergent kids. I think there's, you know, there's education among religious ed programs and even in the Catholic schools, um, you know, training teachers um, to work with kids who are neurodivergent, um, you know, and, and the thing that I found really, really wonderful and neat is um, all the saints who have been, you know, specifically identified in the last couple of years as having also been neurodivergent, like um, St. Thorlach, uh, the patron saint of autism. Um, I always think of, oh, what is his name? Um, I can't think of his name right now. But even uh, the Martins, you know, Zaley and Louis Martin, Zaley was depressed. I mean, she really struggled with massive depression. Um, you know, her uh, Therese was a handful, probably highly sensitive. Um, one of her, Leone, was probably also autistic. Um, you know, be, being able to say, you know, hey, these people are saints and they're just like me. Like, that's huge. I, I think that's really, really important. Um, and, and that's been a really, uh, I think, good development um, over the past couple of years. Wow. Um, 
and then you know there's there are so many more ministries um you know mine is mine is small um you know and, and i'm fine with that I'm, I'm happy that it's small because i just with the way my brain works i don't think i can handle anything bigger but then you've got you know kelly mantoan um who's her ministry accepting the gift is you know a lot broader um but there are you know there are so many moms or catholic moms catholic families out there um who are raising neurodivergent kids and you know knowing that you are not alone as a mom that your kids are not alone um, and that, you know, hey, these kinds of things that maybe 20 years ago they would have looked at as behavior flaws, this is like just something that their brain does. And we're going to learn how to work with it, how to cope it, how cope with it, how to cha- or channel it into something positive. Um, so so those, I think, are some of the positive outcomes. And then, you know, you've got these kids who um, or like Father um, Father Schneider, the autistic priest. I mean, you're, there are neurodivergent people who are in ministry, um, you know, who are ordained. Um, and talking about it, you know, I, I know of several priests who, you know, openly talk about their ADHD, um, you know, from the pulpit, like, which I think is hugely important to, again, to see, hey, this man is a priest and he's just like me. Um, so, yeah, I, I think those are some of the real positive things that I've seen. Yeah, I feel like um, what has maybe been accelerated a little bit, we, we often complain about social media and all the stuff, the yuck that's out there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's also a super highway for Catholics standing up yes. and using these terms and, in a sense, Catholicizing, talking about them right. with the saints and with the priests we know. And so that this topic starts to sound like us collectively, that right. we start to own yeah. it, claim it, live in it. And now it's an area yeah. that we can move in with a lot more confidence and acceptance and that we yes. don't have to be so siloed from the problem because it's not us. Right. Yeah. And the idea of, you know, being truly beautifully, wonderfully made the way that you are, um, you know, there are no mistakes. God's design is perfect. Um, you know, it, it's just a matter of the the differences um, in the way he's created us. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so you mentioned um, Kelly Mantone accepting the gift. We've also got your site, not so formulaic.com. What other resources do you have or do you recommend? Um, well, I have, I actually have a couple of, um, workbooks and toolkits geared toward teens and, and tweens specifically to sort of help them, um, grow in their relationship, um, not only with God, but, you know, with themselves and the way God has made them. So I have, um, I've, I think we've talked about maybe a couple of these before, but, um, I have one that's called choosing your patron saint, um, for youth. So it's a workbook that takes them through, um, finding, you know, identifying, you know, their strengths, um, their areas for growth, and then helps them, you know, through discernment and prayer and through reading about the saints and the virtues, helps them kind of match um, with saints. Um, so the the workbook itself has lists of saints organized or divided by, um, by charisms, by um, by interests, by areas of, you know, difficulty. So, um, you know, saints for, you know, kids who are distracted a lot, saints for um, kids who have trouble with impulse issues, you know, saints for, you know, kids who struggle with anger and rage, like St. Moses the Black. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'll, I I really tried hard to get a wide variety of different types of people in there. Um, so there, that's one thing. Um, I have a growth mindset journal um, for kids eight to 12 called Made for Greatness. And then the 12 and up version is called Made for Greatness Thrive Edition. And so it's a, a Catholic growth mindset journal, which helps them begin to see um, 
obstacles as stepping stones and um, failure is opportunity. And it uses, you know, the saints, um, it uses stories of the saints, it uses the virtues, um, scripture, and I've got um, like personal stories from uh, young adults who have, have, you know, faced kind of unsurmountable odds and grown from them. Um, in addition to like workbook pages of figuring out, you know, what are my strengths? You know, what what mistakes have I made? What challenges have I faced? How have they made me a better person? Um, you know, how can I grow from them? And then lastly, I have Aura at Labora, which is um, a rule of life for Catholic youth, um, helping them with their, you know, executive function. Um, and they're just getting kind of a, well, exactly a rule of life, you know, um, like St. Benedict, a rule that you follow, things that you do every day to help you attain or work toward holiness. So, um, those are the three things that I, I think, um, you know, are specifically relevant to this conversation today. Okay, so. great. We'll have those in the show notes, everybody. Yeah. So exciting. So your workbook, um, Choosing Your Patron Saint, Made for Greatness, and Aura at Labora. We'll have all of mm-hmm. those in the show notes. All right. So anything else that it's important for us to just understand about neurodivergent teens or about the differences in our brains or anything else that... You're just sensing still needs to be said. I think it's just important to understand that, you know, your child is always your child, you know, and that the way they were formed in the womb is the way God wanted them to be. Um, And I think so often, I know for me, I have really had to um, kind of take a step back and say, you know, these are the people, God gave me these children because he knew that I was the right person for the job, even when I feel like I can't guide them. Um, you know, in the way that they need me to, you know, he's going to step up and provide that for me. Um, and, and also, you know, I, I struggle, I'm a very proud person, like pride is my roots. And so when my kids are doing something that is, um, you know, overtly, um, neurodivergent and I feel makes them, you know, stick out like a sore thumb. It, it's not as bad now, but when they were younger, it was like such a sore spot for me because I would be so mortified, you know, um, and I would I would feel so intensely guilty because I was, you know, embarrassed by my kids' behavior. And so therefore I was like, well, I'm embarrassed by my kids. And if I'm embarrassed by my kids, does that mean that I'm a bad mom and what is going on? You know, and it was this whole tailspin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, just the importance of letting go of what other people think, because all that matters is, you know, what God wants from you and your family what you know his will for you and your family and all that matters is what he thinks of you and god loves you you know all the time so um even when we mess up especially when we mess up um so you know focusing on that i think has been really important so i guess that would be the last thing that i would want to say yeah and that's such a place of deep wisdom because we live in a consumerist culture where people even want to (laughs) genetically modify unborn children so they can have the product that they want Right. And someone right. like that might see someone neurodivergent as a, a broken product to be returned instead of sure. the perfect blessing for that family. The, you know, yes. we're, we are all going to, iron sharpens iron. We are all here to drive right. each other a little bonkers along the mm-hmm. way to becoming <laughs> virtuous and holy. Yeah, so no, that's true. That's, that's part of the game plan. And so, yeah. yeah, so I love what you said, because self-acceptance, acceptance of the child, acceptance that not everyone is always going to understand what they're seeing, that they may think right. it reflects badly on you as a parent, when what we're looking at is a kid who is wired very differently. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So thank you for your vulnerability, for your, for your mission sense, too, for your willingness 
to the degree that it fits into your life or I'm sure it's challenged you at times, but to reach out to others and to develop these fantastic resources, Jenny. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks everybody for being with us, for tuning in. Um, we are praying for you. Please pray for us too and have an absolutely beautiful day in the Lord. Again, Jenny, just thanks a million. Thanks so much. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us.